Christmas? Christmas? Oh my god. Wow, it's um it's like he was always meant to be a fucking asshole whose dad left him or something. I don't know. What's the meaning of that? <laughs> what am I supposed to like take away from that? <laughs> like Um Yeah, so there's this awesome line where he says, I was chasing ghosts, but what I was looking for was right in front of me the whole time. So, hey, 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 it's us. Welcome to a different version of our show, where we're not talking about music anymore, we're talking about film about that, music. that has that deals with music as a, as a subject matter. We decided that any movie that has music in it uh, is fair game, so we're going to start at A, and we're just going to work our way through every film. And you might be wondering why we started with The Dirt. The movie about uh, Motley Crue, but we we thought we'd get, we'd comb through the Criterion Collection first. We actually have some kind of monster. Um, That's right. The Metallica documentary on their formative Saint Anger recording, uh, I think two and a half year process. That is uh, on our Patreon at the membership level. I believe it's the Fan of Max membership level. If you feel like checking right. that out, and we kind of wanted to record one of these that we put up uh, for free on the regular stream. So you can see what we talk about and what we're doing. Uh, yeah. Anything else? Oh, I just like try to remind me. That I think there is a connection to, or I like to some kind of monster that I notice, or like a in like the extended universe of rock doc slash biopic. I feel like there's a little bit of a crossover, or more than a little bit of crossover. As sure, you know, there's plenty of it's full of tropes. That's what we can <laughs> say about this movie. We're going to talk about. Yeah, definitely. Um, um, but yeah, uh, I just really had no history like with Motley Crue coming into this. <laughs> like, <laughs> very few expectations. Um, I actually thought it was a documentary when yeah, I hit play. You know, and that's what I thought too because it's based on the like biographical book that they put out, which like made the New York Times bestseller list and like was definitely a trending topic for a little while, and not something that right. I read. I should be clear. I didn't read it um, because I don't want to. <laughs> but I, I am interested in this stuff, especially when like this becomes uh, like a the narrative is completely in the, con- the hands of the band themselves. Right. Like and they took uh, all the liberty in the world with how they chose to depict themselves as artists as they were coming of age, as they were like entering the mainstream and how they dealt with all of these uh, pretty significant like life problems, but also pretty significant like just band or like professional issues that they had with with one another and, and with almost everyone else. Um, and I thought that was really interesting, but maybe I should give some background on this uh, just the movie first, right? Yeah, totally. So it was released in March of 2019, straight to Netflix. It's a a Netflix original. You guessed it. Um, and here are the surprising parts to me is that they got like pretty sick actors for the movie. Yeah, you know, uh, Machine Gun Kelly is Tommy Lee, which is pretty sick. He um, kind of killed it. I'm gonna completely fuck this name up, but the Game of Thrones actor 
Ewan Rion. What do you think? Was that good? That's pretty good. I think. I think I it think, is Ewan. Yeah, and I and I just realized like that's where I recognize this person from. Yeah, and he's honest. He's an amazing actor, and he got to play Mick Mars, who is I'll come out and say it, my favorite of the Motley Crew, by far. Yeah, I think totally. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's not like a very high bar, anyway. <laughs> no, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was. Let me read some of the some of our stats here. They got a 38% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes for this movie. Ooh, that's high, honestly. That's, uh, yeah, it's higher than I would have thought. Um, like it's, an, it's an aggregate. It's like a, it's an average. That's true. Uh, Rolling Stone gave the movie two out of five stars. Not glowing, exactly. No, but uh, I, I mean, I do imagine that this was a pretty big, like, cash grab for the band who are all old as shit and yeah you know are already have already struggled in the past to play shows together and and so yeah um and and they released an album or like they're they're releasing an album they released an album like that coincides with that coincides with yeah it's called the dirt soundtrack incredible (laughs) creative powerhouse yeah they still are Um, (laughs) none of us are surprised but yeah uh and you know the real the real uh crime here is that it's not any fun to watch mm-hmm. in my opinion yeah. right because every time well, it starts to be fun they just take it a little too far and they are the band that takes it a little too far but you know i don't know that's interesting because i feel like the the take on the rolling stone article was uh by by what's his face by mr fear is his last name fear am i making that up i i don't know i don't have the article in front of me i thought you were reading that article no nah, i was re- i was looking at another david one, fear the, yep david fear yeah so like, cool. cool name um but his gripe was that it's actually not uh problematic enough i think because it seemed like that was the <laughs> gist of his he's like you know i I, sure. just, I really loved the book and i'm really disappointed that it's not it's not as fucked up as the contents of the book yeah, and I, I think that's, you know, I should, we should, before we get ahead of ourselves, maybe go through our early experiences with this band and, and what it meant. But yeah, that was my my big takeaway was that it's not even that much fun to watch. It's probably better to read the book, for sure. Yeah, yeah. But like, all of this kind of stuff, the true story is already the better story. It's like, always going to be more interesting than like, whatever these weird like, put-ons that they want to create like the different scenes of tommy lee partying and like them like banging chicks and like doing all this stuff like that's great but no one cares like if you're gonna put like an actor in that scene like i don't know like it's not that all of the stories that are true were already pretty good like you didn't necessarily need to string them together into this like weird anti-hero coming of age story you know it didn't need to happen, I guess, uh, for anyone other than Nikki Six's completely like wounded ego. I guess for right. for no one else that needed to happen. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's really just uh, was he was he chasing ghosts or was he chasing dollars? You know, yeah. That's that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> well, so was he chasing the bag? Let's go. I want to hear what your uh, your upbringing was or how how you 
came to find anything out about Motley Crue? Like, what were they in the in the background of your life? They are nothing to me. <laughs> <I've>, <laughs> I didn't even know that I'd heard a Motley Crue song until I like started watching sure. the movie. And I was like, oh, yeah, I know that one. I think that's, yeah, you know, a lot of glam metal, it all blends together at some point, right? Like, yeah, there's Van Halen and then there's like six other things kind of like that. Yeah. Right. Like, 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 like shout, what is it? Shout at the devil, right? Yeah. Like, you shout know, I've heard that plenty yeah. of times, which is so funny. Like, as soon, like, as soon as that song, as that, like the scene of them sing, playing that song comes on, I was just cracking up. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like, you know, it's a great, like, I, see, that's the thing is like, well, I don't know, maybe that's jumping too far ahead, but it just seems like everything that they did was so calculated. Yeah, well. Um, and and cynical. Even from that, and maybe we're getting ahead of ourselves, uh, ahead of ourselves again, but the, like, A&R guy that was in charge of them at the time gave out more tickets than the venue's capacity would allow because he wanted to create a mm. scene, a spectacle where there'd be more people at the show. Right. And then he also had an assistant fill all the trash cans outside the venue with, like, newspaper. And then, like, they got set on fire. So that scene, if you were arriving as, like, a press person or anyone on the L.A. Strip who was, like, trying to write about these up-and-coming bands, which was a huge thing at the time, you arrived at this scene where there's, like, an enormous crowd of youngsters, trash cans on fire, and then you walk in and it's, like, Motley Crue. Right. And see, and then, like, that would have been the inter- – I, I guess maybe, you know, I hadn't That's the this more before, interesting but- story. That would have been the interesting story to tell would have been like, you know, before you see them like drop a television on some like some guy's nice car, you would like have them see like see them discussing that with their A&R guy and then like like him calling a journalist and saying like, hey, we're about to drop a TV on a car like you should be here. You know what I mean? Like, like that's the story uh, that interests me. Yeah. I mean, there were also all of these other like really cool PR stunts that they did. Not cool. I don't know why I said cool. Really the truth comes out. interesting PR sense where like Vince Neil arrived in Canada with a suitcase full of porn and right. it like happened to have to get it searched and like wasn't allowed to play in Edmonton or something like that. And, you know, like, right. It's, it doesn't make them look good maybe, but it, it was, you know, I think part of the, the thing that was left out of the movie was the thing that made the band famous. And it was just this like really desperate grab for attention at all times right and they could have gone the other route they could have made this like they could have just got the guys from jackass to make a movie (laughs) like where they're doing where motley crew is like in the shopping cart and i would have been like this is an amazing motley crew movie and because it's like very true to form and like it means you know they they haven't lost the meaning they aren't like confused about what they are but instead they had to make this movie about them being like legendary rock stars even from the beginning man like i just knew right. i just knew like well and the, the whole the whole thing is man. framed the whole thing is thing is framed as like and again we you know we haven't read the book but like as like you're getting the dirt like you're you're getting the real shit here um right and but it, but it's again like i mean it's like it's it's just a regurgitation of all of the mythic stories about the band as fact um yeah again you know and I would argue that most of the stories that they have in there that are supposed to be interesting are, are actually not true, you know? Right. Like the, uh, I think David Lee Roth in their apartment doing blow and a guy like 
puking on him. I don't. I forget what happens. Like a mirror breaks on him, maybe. And right. Doc McGee supposedly punches the guy and goes, "Looks like you're gonna need a manager. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah. I'm the tough asshole you're gonna want around, man." And, and like that's when I, not when I, at all what happens, you know. When, when I was watching the movie at the beginning, I was trying to keep track of the number of times that characters broke the fourth wall, and then I gave up at a certain point because it just became <laughs> yeah. boring. But like that was like number one, right? Yeah, or, or n- number one or number two, where like someone turns to the camera and is like that's not actually how it happened you know well like from the beginning of when i hit play and tried to watch yeah. this i was immediately just confused i was like right i thought maybe we'd see like the you know that the interviews at the closet interviews where like nikki six is like and that was the crazy part about this like i didn't realize it was a movie at all yeah. uh so like seeing all of this I don't know. And it just kept coming. And I was like, oh, I guess they made their own movie. And then they're just going to like talk over it. Right. That okay. So, but, but, but before we, before we go on further, I, like, I also think like, um, this circles back a little bit to the conversation we had during the last, last, um, Max's music facts segment where we were talking about how the sex pistols are, you know, just like an op in, in some ways, you know, too, as well. Yeah. Like, like, like making the case for conservative, you know, cultural attitudes just as, as much as they were like supposedly railing against the queen or whoever, you know, in a similar way, like the, the very opening lines of the movie are like, um, the eighties were the worst decade ever. The, it was the decade of Reagan. It was the, you know what I mean? Like, uh, and the first thing I thought was like, uh, is that the worst? It's, it feels so much like we're living in 2020. It feels so much worse in, in so many ways. You know what I mean? I'm yeah. like, I'm, first of all, I'm like, like immediately like my sympathy for this story and for the characters are just like, stop there. I like, it's just grind to a halt completely. Um, but it all, yeah, it just also seems to me like in a similar way because like, I, you know, I'm more convinced than ever that all popular music is an op is, is an, is like a, intelligence operation you know what i mean in that in, like in the way that you know the motley crew everything was so carefully calculated to like push the buttons of like i'm carrying around the porn i'm carrying you know all these things that like you know nancy reagan is so against all, all this stuff that like is just begging to have them put the parental guidance sticker on on the cd as soon as that becomes a thing like and of course it doesn't it actually makes them it makes their careers like the outrage machine is like that has been the engine driving culture and driving culture war ever since the seventies, really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So everyone who walks away with a with a pocket full of cash uh, wins, and then you know the losers are you know like a generation of young people who uh, unfortunately had to grow up thinking that that's like the coolest thing ever. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's this weird, you know, before Motley Crue even came along, all of those glorified stories of like rock stars. Uh, you know, over consuming drugs or, or alcohol or, you know, just, just like living extremely while on the road, all of that stuff had already been done like times right. over. Right. Right. So them doing it, they, it was all about just taking it to the next level. And there is something about that. That's like it's obviously notable. fascinating yeah. to watch in a society of spectacle. There's nothing but like the spectacle to especially make your life into. So that's right. what these guys chose to do. And, for better or worse, they did like a pretty good job of that, but it turns out it was extremely self-destructive. Totally, and it also points to like you know, you know the the kind of American dream is one of like total, complete agency, being able to celebrate your individuality, um, like you know, like like the uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the the David Lynch movie Wild at Heart, but 
Nick Cage repeatedly has this line where he like like he's comments on his snakeskin jacket and he's like there's this really great repeated line where he's like this is like is representative of my individuality you know like <laughs> like, like like everything that yeah, Motley yeah. Crue does seems like it's that statement um, but it's the exact opposite right it's like like what you what the movie reveals and what the story I'm sure the book reveals as well whether intentionally or not is that these are four people whose lives have been outside of their control for their entire you know adult lives basically. Um, and you know, to, to some, sometimes it was for the better in some ways, like they were happy, I guess. And then most of the time they were not. Um, so it's like, it's like, it's, you know, there's a, there's a version of this movie that is like propaganda for whatever the USSR, <laughs> you know, that's like, that's <laughs> <Right>. like, <laughs> like this is exactly how fucked America is, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I, I can't get over like the way that they paraded their own personalities through this entire movie. Like maybe we should go, maybe we should try yeah, to should get started, like take the story from the start and, and sort of pick it apart as we go totally. along. But like that very first scene you see is like Nikki six and he's in a fight with his mom. He, he just wants to play guitar. Okay. He's got yeah. rock bands all over. Well, the... well, 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 first, first it's the, it's like the, you know, we, we kind of talked about it, but like, it's a pretty effective, like this, like really cool sweeping kind of like series of shots of the Sunset Strip oh, right. and of of their party house where like they had to like nailed shut the the front door <laughs> because the cops were always trying to bust them and so everyone came in through the window and it has that kind of like you know uh, almost like Fast Times at Ridgemont High or something, right. something like you know like kind of vibe and then you see it's like there was Tommy the romantic and then he like goes down on a on a woman you know in front of everybody in the living room and then it's like I'm Nikki Six I'm the narrator you know <laughs> like like that's Vince Neil he's the singer and that's Nikki or that's Mick Mars he's the alien and you're like okay <laughs> like what's up with these guys and they're like uh. we weren't a band we were a gang and and then and then it kind of hits everything off with like a like a music pop and then a, a, a massive squirt geyser uh launching across the room and so like you know like uh, and all right away i'm like are we am i watching the dirt or am i watching the squirt <laughs> that's what i wanted to know oof oof got him yeah you can expect lots of zingers like that folks. <laughs> i wrote that i scripted that one i wrote that one down i'll admit it yeah i mean but every aspect of that is is so intentional i guess it's just overly intentional that they want it to seem like so fucking cool all the time. Everything they did, well, man. Just I walked into a room and I would just like grab a bottle of Jack and start chugging. Yeah. I didn't, I'd grab it out of someone's hand. I don't give a shit. Yeah, that's awesome. So and cool. it's like, oh man, it's just so. It's tough to look at after a while. Like hearing it, hearing that story when you're a kid, you're like, oh wow, yeah, that's crazy. That's so crazy. Hearing it as an adult, you're kind of like, yeah, right on, okay. And you get older and you're. And I'm just like, why do I want to see any of that? You know, these when, are like the talking? worst guys at the party, excluding oh, Mick Mars, because I don't think he's that bad. He well, yeah, but like, just <laughs> doesn't have a choice. He literally isn't able to move far enough away physically from the other three of them uh, because of his disease, which I'll nice try to bone pro- disease, which I'll try to pronounce now. Oh, wow. You wrote it down. No, I just have it up on the Wikipedia. Oh my God! Uh, where is it? For the listener, for the listener, Jordan has dual monitors now, it, so he can he can look up things all the time. <laughs> Mars has struggled for most of his professional career with ankylosing spondylitis. <laughs> That's a mouthful. 
I think um, he describes it in the movie as having concrete in your spine or slow drying concrete in your spine. Right. Which sounds awful. Sounds crazy. Um, but, but also, I mean, like, and we'll get to this in a second, I guess, but he's also the lifer in in a term that you've introduced to me in the past. Right. He's like, he's the guy who's like, are we going the distance? Cause it's like, you know, like his, his biological clock is ticking and, and not in the, you know, uh, like menstruation sense obviously but in the sense of like this is my he's older than everybody in in the band yeah and if you look up any picture of motley Crue, like the real picture not of the cast that plays motley Crue in the motley Crue made film mick mars looks like the undertaker like he (laughs) he visibly looks 20 years older in in almost every picture or like the crypt keeper and also none of the other three look great at all none of them look well at this point in their lives for sure but Mick Mars does look like 20 years older and possibly yeah. like half like undead. Um, right. And that's where I'd like to say that's why I was drawn to this band for a long time is I thought this guy was just a cool guitar player who just happened to be in a glam metal band. I and, mean, you know, that's how he comes across. And he has that personality of like, like they said, like the alien, you know, the weirdo mm-hmm. uh, and something about that resonated with me when I was a kid for sure. Uh, and I remember thinking that the riffs were, you know, the songs I thought were cheesy. I don't think there was ever, there was ever a point where I was like, you know, this is actually a really a, a great song. But the riffs, like, I mean, the riff to Livewire, super sick. The early stuff, I mean, it's like, there's like a thrash element. There's like, you know, his playing is pretty like, uh, just like smooth. And uh, there's something about it that I was really drawn to for sure. Right. But the, the rest of the the aspects of the band that they... You know, everything else about the band, I, I don't think I was ever going to get into. And this movie has sort of proven to me that I'm not... <laughs> you know, I, I don't right. care. I don't right. care about the and, shitty stories about some guy at the bar who was like, Oh, man, you used to play in a band. We did so much blow. Like, right. sick. That's great. Who who gives but, a shit? Like, so didn't everybody else did the same thing. That's great. Right. I mean, then the more we talk about it, the more I'm like, well, you know, maybe this is the most honest way to make this movie because like that, the uh, the beginning set piece is so contrived. It feels like a play. It feels like like theater in the way that like everybody's just so artfully arranged, like doing debaucherous things. True. That like, like you're saying, it's like, yeah, like that's kind of the essence of the band. Like you know, everything like, has like, to be contrived. But I was thinking about so hard. I was thinking about this at work today that the the truly authentic way to have made this band would have had Michael Bay as the director mm-hmm. and the guys from Jackass play all of the guys. That's awesome. Yeah. You I know, think that's a great idea. Even if it doesn't really fit or like line up, like do you remember when the Beastie Boys did that uh, short a while back and they had like Will Ferrell and Jack Black uh, uh-huh. and I think uh, that. Elijah Wood. We should check it out, but they don't look anything like, you know, that they're, they're <laughs> uh, any of the Beastie Boys, but they had them step in, and I thought it was fucking amazing, right? Because you can right. just put on the costumes. That's what's great about these glam bands is, like, once you put on the costumes, like, of course you look like Nikki Six. It's such like a, you know, the other thing about Nikki Six is that that Firebird bass is mm-hmm. is, like, so recognizable to him. I can't. Can you think of anyone else who has like a bass guitar that looks like that or any bassist that you can think of as like a non-participating uh, just person who consumes culture, like not as a bass player, 
Right. I can't think of anybody else who has like a base that I would be like, oh shit, Firebird. Right. Yeah, yeah. Again, like like everything is so carefully tuned. Yeah, they made themselves um, into this thing. Yeah, yeah, and like that's the most honest way to represent it, I guess. But so yeah, so it starts with Nikki Six as um as the narrator, as the kind. Of, oh, oh, hang on. Is that my, we've that's got my phone? We've got <laughs> Nikki Six on the line. Hang on, give me one second. Christmas? 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 Who knows how much of that the listeners will end up hearing, but uh, because the Wi-Fi router has to be in my room, so does uh, the phone. Uh, I see. <laughs> uh, where were we, though? Uh, we were talking about the, I think... The- Moving into oh. the start of the movie, you were you were beginning to describe. <laughs> we were about to start, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so Nikki Six is starts by narrating the movie. Yep. Um. And and he and I think him the the actor that plays Nikki Six, whose name I don't care to look up, um, and the guy who's playing, uh, Mick Mars and the guy who's playing Vince are all British guys or or like or like people from like Europe. Yeah. In, in one, you know, which is I think one guy know, is Australian. Which right, the the guy who plays Vince, I think, technically is in Europe, but might as well be. Yeah. Um. But so Nikki Six, you know, his his whole his whole thing is like the uh, you know, the misunderstood kid, and so he, like he, I think he describes his childhood as like a, a revolving door of asshole fathers and music, you know. But that the whole opening scene, you know, without knowing that it was Nikki Six, could have taken place in any number of sitcoms. Or totally. movies in general. It's just like, yeah. kid who wants to play guitar, doesn't give a shit about this new guy his mom is with. Right. Just wants you to leave him alone. Mom can't leave right. him alone. They go, like, the one cut scene that they, <laughs> they do is so emotionally overcrowded with tropes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, the mom is just like, I wish you hadn't driven your father away. <laughs> Nikki's like, you're the one that drove him away. I wasn't even I was three or something, you know? Yeah, it's a really like, unconvincing interaction. Like, oh, man, yeah, like... Leave me alone, Dana! <laughs> yeah. It's pretty... Uh, it would be upsetting if it, was, if it wasn't so contrived, you know? Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's the problem that happens throughout the rest of this movie. But then we move into uh, talking about how... Talking about Tommy Lee's life, I think, right after that, right? Or it kind of goes yeah, into well, well, Nikki. Before we, before we move on, before we move yeah. on, I just wanted to like just like to just outline like exactly what's happening. So it's like his like Nikki Six, uh, then known as Frank, uh, named after his father. So so we get the sense right away. This guy is a guy who has got not only daddy issues, but he's got mommy issues. So he's got issues, capital I issues. Got him. Yeah. Um, and then also this is ground zero of uh, his particular hatred of women. We don't really under- get to understand exactly why Vince or Tommy hate women so much, but this is the, like, we, we get a little bit of a window into Nikki Six's uh, misogyny. So that's, that's valuable, I guess. That's, that's worth something. You know what I mean? And then we get to see him change his name legally to Nikki Six from Frank um, and like burn his, you know, his old ID. So, so I just wanted to like actually go through that because I feel like it's before we switch his narration to Tommy's point of view, like we're getting like 
the sense that, yeah, this is a story about men who hate women. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) And who definitely hate themselves, Mm -hmm. but who first and foremost hate women. Right, and, and we get to understand there's a story, there's a narrative built into why Nikki Six is that way. We yeah. don't get to understand why Tommy is that way because, yeah. he, like, speaking of like a sitcom, you know, framing, like his home life, it, like, is depicted as like, you know, and by the way, he, like, it's it's uh, they have a child actor who's like not terrible playing like young young Frank, young Nikki Six, but then it's just it's just right away Machine Gun Kelly is is playing like the kind of like adult teenager it's not really clear what age he's supposed to be but he's like still living at home and like he's got like tons of rock posters everywhere he's like the the suburban idyllic kind of like like he's almost like a person out of time like you'd think he's like he would like be a teenager in the 80s yeah you know like like the way it's framed and maybe that's actually what his life was like i don't you know i don't know i haven't read the book but like like super supportive parents super supportive family like his, yeah. his sister's like oh my god like he's wearing my you know cheetah print pants like what the heck mom and then the parents are like mm, i don't know like oh well you know yeah. like <laughs> it, it is it is like all every aspect of it is supposed to be like 80s sitcom-esque too right like tommy leaves and he says to his parents later creators <laughs> oh, oh i missed Ugh. that jesus christ dang it's so good though but yeah it's so you're trying to juxtaposition now nikki six's horrible childhood is what we're, right. we're we're meant to understand that he was unloved, uh, abandoned, and then in turn he abandoned them and changed his name. He has right, nothing right. to do with his mother and father now. Right, uh, he, is he moving cut his on, arm moving to forward. get his mom arrested. Yeah, cut his arm, told the police that his mom cut him, right. and got her arrested. Right. Uh, and then we see this just wholesome family with uh, the one black sheep tommy lee but he's not even really the black sheep because he's just no. dressed like a, a punk it has like his leopard print pants on and his jacket and we're, we're supposed to believe that like he's uh been studying rock and roll for some time i think but that his parents are right. completely supportive you know his dad comes in he, right. he says Who's playing tonight, son? Are you winning? Right. Are you winning, son? <laughs> it, it really is the "Are you winning, son?" meme, right? And and he appears to be winning. He, uh, I think, is winning. Yeah, if I had to say, if I, I had to guess, I think then one of my the next scene is probably one of the better ones where he's sitting down and he's told his fa- his father. He said, "I'm in love with this girl. I'm going out with tonight. I, I just love her." Right. Uh, and he sits down with her at this like diner after the show. And he spots Nikki Six uh, a few right. booths back, and Nikki had been playing bass in the band London, I think, that night. Mm-hmm. And he says, "Should I go talk to him? I'm going to go talk to him. I got to go talk to him." And just like abandons his date to right. to eat pancakes with Nikki Six, who gets brought a bottle, like an airplane sized bottle of Jack. Somehow the diner has yeah. airplane sized bottles of Jack. Is Daniels. he brought that or does he just produce it from under the table? He asks for a Jack and Coke and he's brought mm. a Jack and Coke, but he just like downs the jack. jack and doesn't seem to touch the Coke at all. Right. So he's already, he's already a fucked up dude. Yeah. And, he he and just Tommy's chugs, really impressed. He chugs the whiskey and Tommy goes, Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so so this is the first like you know, I'm not going to keep doing this for each one, but like this is the first uh, fact check that we get in the fact check article by Rolling Stone, where they're like, "Actually, they organized that meeting. It right. wasn't an accident." 
so there's that. Uh, yeah. So do, now, do now we have this. The first of the the weird fictionalized narrative where we know that like they are intentionally trying to exclude uh, these aspects of their their career that like you know who cares? Of course it was right. intention. Yeah. Who gives a fuck? Everything <laughs> everything about the band was contrived. <laughs> who cares about this weird the story where Tommy way. chooses to eat pancakes with Nikki instead right. of some right. girl? I, I don't know. It's dumb. It doesn't really uh, but, serve the narrative in any way that like actually bolsters the movie. It, it, it just like it brings it into this point where it's like, all right, this doesn't seem realistic at all, right? But but I mean, a detail that I did like is that he gets in by doing the the drumstick spinning trick, which uh, I like that. <laughs> like it's like that's the thing. Like he starts spinning this drumstick, and then like and Nikki's at first like depicted as being like, uh, I don't yeah, know. Like, are you like, cool enough for like, like for to be in a band? You know? Yeah. And he's like, uh. Yeah. uh Actually, you were, you're in. He's like, how did you learn to do that? Uh, I was in marching band. Yeah, right. So, there's I, that. I brought my drumsticks with me. I bring them everywhere. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, so, so I don't know. I think we can yeah. all agree that we hate drummers. <laughs> well, they, uh, yeah, yes. Um, how do you know that, uh, you know, a drummer's uh, knocking on the door? They can't keep a rhythm, you know? It's, Ouch. It's, it's, every, it's every drummer joke. Uh, just insert drummer joke here, which, which, which I think as, 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 you know, musicians, we all know, and music fans, we all know that all those jokes are just insert whichever instrument you don't play in there. Sure. Um, but, um, but yeah, actually I really like the, the kind of next sequence where they're like, you know, this is like some of my favorite band tropes are just like the like early growing pains of like, what's about to be a really successful band. And so like, there's the kind of short like chubby long-haired guy who they call a hippie who's like their original guitarist who just like can't get his mind yeah. so they're, yeah, they're practicing <laughs> he, can't, he just like can't, can't get his mind it. and his fingers wrapped around like these totally innovative new riffs oh, man. And so, like i wanted to ask you like how fresh are these riffs like how like why would this happen you know well so that's the riff to live wire which is like but that's my question is like how new is that you know if you were like if you'd only played classic rock or or you know if if you hadn't played metal that is right. like what metal did differently on the guitar right right is right. those like those picking patterns where it's like like we're we're doing these uh uh this like staccatoed um uh, what's the term i can't think of the term oh well diddle diddles uh syncopation there we go yeah there's like syncopated rhythm underneath but also just going like just doing like the power chords and and doing the like mm-hmm. palm muting and, and like there there are all these techniques that existed before but didn't exist in the formation that I think these songs were written with like bands right. were were doing this before Motley Crue like to be sure right that wasn't a thing that they invented but it does seem like this is like a fish out of water thing for the the chubby hippie guy right poor guy dude honestly he's just trying to play I, music with I, his I, I did identify with him. I think also I, I, I've always been the well I've, I've, I've always been the guy who like is like the guy who do, who feels like they probably shouldn't be there jamming with anybody else you know <laughs> <laughs> you should also know though that that guy I think went on to play in he went on to play with John Bon Jovi okay nice I should check. To okay. make sure, yeah, yeah but it, it, it does make me feel better to know that he did go on to have a career in that music. he got to do something. He deserves it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, I'm not gonna check. 
let's just leave it at that. Whatever. Yeah. So, but, but so, 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 you know, I guess we kind of brushed over it, but like, so we had a, a switch to the narration of, to Tommy's narration and, uh, and, and I really like the part. Cause like, like, I guess I just wanted to say also like Machine Gun Kelly does a really good job. I, I think like, I think like I just, his career, like out of all the actors, he had the most charisma and like, maybe that's just like how the character's supposed to be, how, supposed, how he's supposed to come across, but he kind of sells it, uh, in my opinion. Uh, and then it switches to, uh, Mick Mars's narration when he pulls up, yeah. uh, in, in the car with like blasting's music and like, and, and, uh, Tommy and I think they're like taking a break because they just were so mad at the guy who couldn't play their riffs. And like, so like, they're like, st- they're sitting outside, like, and they see a guy blasting well, they, whatever riffs. They'd answered an <laughs> ad in the paper when they were at right. the diner for, it was like right. loud, aggressive guitarist seeking band or something. And they're like, right. let's do this. Right. Yeah, and McMarsh shows up with his like Marshall half stack, ready, yeah, ready yeah. to fucking play, and just immediately blows this dude out of the water. Right, he's doing and, like and, and I... <laughs> pentatonic <laughs> scale, like yeah, yeah, does like a little sweet picky thing, shredding. The solo. guy's like, I... the guy's like, can you can you turn down? <laughs> I can't hear myself. <laughs> Poor guy, dude. And, and then and they're like. Uh, and the, yeah, like, what does he say? He says, uh, the hippie's not going to make it, you know, to, to Nikki six. And then, uh, like, I guess just because he like, doesn't have the right kind of mullet or something like that is like the, what makes him a hippie and he's yeah. wearing like a flannel. Uh, but then also, so like, they're like, all right, well, Nikki's like, okay, well you got to kick him out. And then like, uh, the guy's like, okay, well what? I was here first. And then he's like, Tommy. And then Tommy does the classic, like nice guy drummer thing of dropping his stick <laughs> and be like looking for his drumstick instead of like responding. <laughs> But yeah, and I also love that, like, I was here first. Yeah. Which, if this were a better movie, they would talk more about, like, that was what the L.A. scene was like, is, like, I'm going to mm-hmm. hitch my horse to, like, whatever wagon is, is leaving town, man. Right. Whatever whatever is, like, on fire right now, that's where I want to be. And, like, there right. were people who were, these are the people that were trying to get that, you know? Uh, right. They just happened to have the, the, the formation of, like, you know, whatever fucking gamble happened in their favor, right. you know, the, it all right. worked out for them for a while, but like this guy was just the same thing. Maybe he just didn't listen to the same records or like the right records for them, which is right. totally fair enough. But like, I wish the movie would have talked more about that LA scene and like that everyone was just trying to shoot their shot. Totally. Right. That's more interesting yeah. to me. And there are all these like other schemes behind the, behind the scenes like like trying to get trash cans on fire and like giving out way more tickets at a show than could fit in the venue that's sick like that's a cool story like yeah. weird shit like that like that you'd be like what's happening here like there's three thousand kids but there's only fifteen thousand that can have a seat so who they must be good fucked up yeah yeah exactly but that's the thing. yeah like, and then you're like the an beginning. AR yeah you're an AR guy and you're like this must be the band man Right, and you've so, just yeah, and now you've they're selling it. You've duped this record label exec, which back then that was the height of those like execs just wandering around through the world right. apparently, and like signing bands, right? Right. Okay, but but before we get to him, right? There's the um, uh, we get uh the introduction to the singer, right? So, and I think this is one of the one of the other like apocryphal things about the movie is that they originally had another singer before that um before this guy they don't mention at all that they never mention and and uh but whatever like so they go to this party and this is where we see like nikki six like like just grab somebody's like jack bottle like (laughs) like, out of their hand and like start like chugging it 
Um, Ugh. And then, and then, yeah. So then we switched narration to uh, to freaking Vince, and you know, he, like like Mick, like they don't have a childhood. So him and like so so Vince and, and Mick are just like there just wasn't time or something. I don't know. Like maybe their child children like childhoods are just like not interesting. Their family lives are not well, interesting to anybody. So yeah. And actually, going back to Mick, he does mention at band practice that you know, like they're like they're chiding on him. They're they're like, "You're an old man. You're an old guy." And, and he's like, "I am fucking old." Like. Mm-hmm. And they have this aside with that talks about his disease that he right. knew about then that he was like, I have a limited amount of time. My body is going to lock up at some point. Right, he's doing um, the hand thing where he's like, Ugh. yeah. And he's like clearly in pain, but he also says right. I pay child support. Right. And we never follow right. up on that. We never meet never the <laughs> other end of that, that child support at all. <laughs> never yeah. once mentioned. And like, right. And like, unlike Vince who gets like an arc of like, Full eventually, arc. spoilers, but like becoming uh, a, you know, a guy who's like, uh, actually, I like women now because I have a daughter. Um, yeah, Mick just never. We never get to see any of that. He's just the guitar man. Um, so there's that. But yeah, so like they they show up at uh this like yard party, this like backyard, um, uh pool party where Vince's cover band. What are they called? Like Sweet Candy or something like that? Rock like, Candy. Rock candy, <laughs> yeah. and it's and they're doing just like a it's so bad. What is it like an Aerosmith cover or something like that? Uh, I couldn't place the song at the time in the yeah, movie for sure. It doesn't matter, but but he's like just singing flaccidly and like all the, like, there's like blonde girls in the front who are like, oh my god, like he's so cool. Yeah, and this is Tommy's friend from high school, and Tommy's like, no man, we got to get this guy. This guy has the right combination. He's got the David Lee Roth you know, uh, what vocal style. And he looks like Bowie or like, it was some kind of like combination of those two. Yeah. They were looking for, yeah. They were looking for someone who can like, who has the moves. Right. Yeah. They, I mean, and all of this stuff also, they lay it out, you know, like I think six, Nikki six says we need to be like, if the sex pistols met Mm. Van Halen in a blender with black Sabbath or something, you know, like, and that's what, that's what they wanted. That's right. That's the contrivance, you know. That's totally what they were trying to engineer. In the same way that they found Vince Neil, and they were saying we need just some like blonde asshole who's handsome and has moves and is like androgynous. Like they wanted all right. of that, and it, all of it was this like planned out thing. It wasn't just oh, right. I don't know. We can't find a single. Let's like wander over to a party, man. Right. That's my California accent. That's pretty good. Yeah, that's pretty like that's good, right? Yeah, uh, and then like so, so but we get the sense that like Vince when they when they when Tommy walks up and like hands them like their demo or whatever, he's like, hey, you should really think about like ditching this band and coming with us. We're going to be the next big thing. And he's like, I don't know, dude. This is kind of a sure thing. Like I like I get a lot of girls. Like I do a lot of drugs. Like that's he's like just coasting. Like he has like no real desire to like go for anything else. And I think that's kind of goes back to what you were saying about like just the L.A. scene at the time too, where everyone's just kind of like trying to hold down their spot and like, you know, yeah. Like, like keep whatever thing, good thing they have going, um, at the time. Yeah. It's good the sense that like, like, like the, the girl that he's talking to, uh, who like, they like share a Xanax or something like that. Like he's like talking to like, he's like, yeah, can I get a beer to like the, the guy who's like catering or whatever. And then she's like, have you ever tried manifesting? Like what you want to <laughs> happen in your yeah. life? <laughs> I just think it's, it's awesome. really important. <laughs> And then he like they like do like the um the lady in the tramp move but like with a pill. <laughs> oh man. Uh yeah, but yeah what a, so what an so, amazing scene that probably so never happened. No, no, obviously not. 
Um, but then, so, like, just to kind of move things along, they go, they ha- then they get, like, the rehearsal where, like, the whole band comes together, right? Yeah. And I just love the framing device of, like, his girl, like, that gr- I think it's the same girl, like, from the party. I think who, like, comes- that is supposed to be his first wife. Okay, <laughs> whatever. Um, sure. But it's, like, you lose track of, like, the... Yeah, the- sure. It doesn't, <laughs> it definitely doesn't last for long. But no. she does make, and I don't know if this is true, this is what sucks, is, like, I don't know how much of this is true, that first rehearsal, right? He's singing. She's like, she says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! This is all wrong. This is all wrong." You know, the register is wrong right. for him. It's not right, the right, right register. And everyone's like, "You gonna like get your girl in line, man?" Or like, right? It says, but they actually listen to her. Shit, yeah. And then they tune down, <laughs> and then it sounds good, right? Like they speed it up and, <laughs> and play like a higher register or something like that. And they're like, they tune down so that his he can like his it was out of his range, you know? Right. So when they right. tune down, he's actually able to hit the notes. Right. And it sounds it does sound right. And like she was fucking right. She got yeah. it. Well, That's what I you could, and then we don't really hear much from her again, right? Like cuz pretty soon after that she, I'm skipping scenes. I'm so sorry. Well, we just we just need to see Our listeners at home can't see the look on Max's face, but it is confused. <laughs> yeah. No, but frazzled. Well, it just We'll just we just see like and I think I'm going to like detail by detail we should start moving quicker to the movie but because um, it's extremely long among other things but uh, way too long but um it, we just, we needed that framing device of the girlfriend there to be like oh my god this is the next thing yeah because like you know as soon as it starts to gel there she's like whoa like this is awesome yeah this is it yeah and every rockumentary so, has that moment right where they're like holy right. shit you guys really got something here. <laughs> yeah, yeah and then there's like the sequence of like them trying to pick a name and i really like tommy's suggestion which is the four skins uh but the, the, the number four <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh and then and nikki yeah, like, nikki's which is actually true he wanted to call the band christmas right that's awesome uh <laughs> which i, I kind of wish so that been their name stupid. yeah yeah uh, but so then like yeah like mick mick mars is depicted as being like i've been saving this name for and like I think that's like the the story or whatever is that he's like yeah like he like saw, like someone called him another band that he was in like a Motley Crew of something or yeah something like yeah that. yeah no so he, that's the story. he brings that in and then and then Nikki Six like or somebody I think maybe in the in reality it was like Vince or someone like puts the umlauts on there well, yeah because they they were drinking this like German beer that right. had umlauts in it and they they were just like this is I mean and that's like one example of I think a pretty true story maybe I mean it's a fictionalized right. scene. But I think that is like a true thing that happened. Unless you're gonna fact check me with your Rolling Stone article. No, that's. I mean, I I don't, I don't care about that article. Who cares? But that's I mean, like that's thing, one like, scene where it's like reality, and it, it makes me feel, it makes me feel more compassion for those guys of just being like, oh yeah, here you go. You are just idiots. Like you're not rock yeah. gods. You're right. just idiots sitting around drinking beer, like talking about dumb band names. Because objectively, Motley Crue is fucking dumb. Putting right. umlauts over the O and the U is fucking dumb, right? But and, and, they do it because it was on the beer they were drinking, and like, and that's right. endearing in a way, right? Because it's like you just you guys want to be like tough, or you want to seem cool, right? And you're not cool, and all- that's how like these behind the scenes biographical rockumentaries, I think, gain traction with people like you and me is when you're like, oh yeah, because everyone just wants to seem cool. That's why you're doing it. Just right. come out and say it, man. Right, but but it is it is like so indicative of the band and of glam rock and of the bloat of the '80s culturally in general that it's like it's all spectacle, it's all 
just it looks cool there's no deeper meaning behind it you know what i mean so it, yeah. yeah it is like kind of so perfect um uh yeah uh, so so there's that um they they pick every they pick their name uh and then like like right away you can just like see it up on a marquee and it just looks right you know because we've seen it a million times or, you know and, uh, and, then and then that that blonde hippie guy who was the first guitar player leans back in the door and he says you know you all look like sort of a motley crew <laughs> yeah you all look like some sort of a crew and then they know motley. it's for real I yeah. kind of want to just keep fictionalizing the movie in our review, just further, <laughs> further the fiction in itself. Well, I think that's the thing is like we, you know, we like, and I, I'm we're both fortunate to be that we haven't read the book in some ways, or that we don't maybe know more of the facts, or like I certainly haven't looked very closely into it because I think that's I the mean I got Wikipedia open on my computer right now. I know all the facts. Well, yeah, for yeah, right yeah. now, that's, that's all the truth. That's all the truth right there. But. Um, but yeah, like like that's not the best way to appreciate this movie. It's more like as like this is a, this is this is what they want us to see. Like I think that's the best way to understand the movie. Absolutely, like, every, every choice they make is something that is chosen. <laughs> you know, I like, mean, are we trying to? You know, what's what are we trying to accomplish with this? Are we trying to get people in a place where they're able to appreciate this movie? Well, because I, I, I don't I, think I'm trying to do that. I'm trying to no. say, you don't have to watch this movie. I watched it for you. I took no, an, but, but, I took an arrow to the knee for right. you. I watched Motley Crue's shitty movie. I used to be an adventurer, but then I took an arrow to the knee. <laughs> yeah, and here's here's what's up. Well, but no, I would I wouldn't say that, but I would say so. I would just say that like you know, fact checking it maybe isn't the best way to go either. And I think we're kind of like trying to find that balance of just saying like, no, this is what it isn't. This is what it does show us about that era. This is what sure. it does reveal about the band despite their best efforts well, let's say you know so I mean? far we've got about 80 facts <laughs> and we've got about 800 non-facts right otherwise that's lies yeah yeah so 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 then you know, so we get like there's either like them play you know i think they're either, are they playing at the whiskey um uh I, I don't remember that the first show is that what you're talking about yeah yeah i don't think it's at the whiskey it's something else you know i wish okay. i would have whatever look that first show up because it is like that's where i think the a and r guy started to hand out yeah. newspaper and do all that stuff which is hilarious right. and we we got to see nikki's uh football paint which is so funny to me right away and they, like he like turns to like tommy and tommy's like that's sick and then like and then he turns <laughs> and, like, and he's like turns to like whatever like oh. Mick mars or, or vince is doing and then he's like that's sick and then one of the guys in the band is like do you do you think that everything is cool <laughs> Yeah, I think that Mick Mars is just the he's the perpetual downer, and that's why he's the yeah. best person in the totally. band. He's just like, you really think that's cool? Like, <laughs> what? <laughs> can You're we, just can we words. just play a show? Right? Uh, yeah. So so yeah. So like, it's, it's supposed like, it's to like be a... at the Whiskey a Go. No, never mind. Ignore me. Well, so there there there's like two shows right next to each other, right? Because the first one is like sparsely attended, and there's like a bunch of like there's a biker meatheads that ha- that who are like, yeah, what you guys are gay, like you're wearing tight pants. I hate you, boo. Yeah, and then Nikki Six like smashes like his bass on one guy's head, and yeah, like, they just immediately get like, into a fight. Right, and then there's like the like just completely fictionalized, I'm sure, moment of like everyone's like, oh my god, like that's really sick yeah like everyone who's like left like like still watching the show there's like a dozen people who are like, who are like no no it's actually one guy who's like Motley Crue <laughs> yeah and everyone's like yeah hell yeah that's the very classic also a classic rockumentary trope I feel like yeah classic totally. rock movie trope where there's one guy in the back who just goes 
hell yeah! And then everyone else <laughs> yeah. joins in, you know? And it's like, yeah. oh, okay, it's okay for this to be cool, okay. And the band's like, right. oh, man, we got it. Like, nothing, yeah, it yeah. has nothing to do with what they did. There's just a world of chance out there. And audiences are just, as you know, made up of every single demographic. And so every time you take the stage, right. hopefully there's one guy that likes you in the back right. who is also really loud and unable to, in any way, contain his emotions. Right. Right. And it's like that's no. what every rock band hopes. Totally. And I, you know I'm amazed the bass still works or whatever. But like like they just they're able to play, and it goes great. That's I guess. a great the next point. Scene, How is the bass around? That's no the idea. bass. No idea uh yeah so it's just uh, it works perfectly fine and they play the set and then the next scene it's a t- it's a totally full crowd there's a line out the door can't believe um, for it. their next show yeah. and that's where we see um i don't care about what the real guy's name is but pete davidson <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I saw him and i was like no oh, oh my god he's... and so for the rest of the movie he's gonna be the punching bag and like like he like it worked like he this is like so indicative of Pete Davidson's career at this point is like he is like one of the most hated people in like entertainment, you know. Is he? I think so. Dude, this is stuff that I don't really know. He's he's Tom Zutout. Whatever. Uh an Electra Records That's executive. He he's like the A&R guy, the exec, the record exec that I was talking about earlier. Right. But yeah, and they do they just use him as a punching band the, or a punching bag the entire time. Right, he's just like. Oh, well, you're the, meant to hate him, so that, that's what I'm saying yeah, about this guy as an actor. Like, as soon as you see his go, face, you like, have like, oh. to hate him. Well, because he's like he's trying to cut in line. Cause he's like, um, hey, like I just got hired by Electra to like do like to like be an A and R guy, and like, yeah. can I get in? And they're like, no, back of the line, Fuck jackass, you, and like shove him into the street or something. <laughs> and he's just yeah. like so like he's got like floppy like hair and like, he's, like, he's, like oh hey, how's it going? Yeah, <laughs> they immediately yeah, that's maybe one of the weirdest liberties they took i guess they just hated that guy though they clearly I loved that they that like definitely hated that guy that's definitely where they're just like fuck this guy that was our record executive like uh we're just gonna right. shit on him we're gonna get, get uh, pete davidson to play him <laughs> and then just shit on that character throughout the entire movie right right and, and, and like i don't know if the montage happens before or after like maybe it's like between but like we get like this montage of them like pouring blood on a mannequin like they're becoming they're like running the sunset strip like they become like the big regional band you know what i mean yeah i think that might be leading up to that scene um but then yeah so we get the the electra guy coming in and i don't even remember like how he reacts to seeing the show i think it's just like the fact that like there is a big crowd and like you just assume that he signed them or something i don't know i kind of blacked out for that period i i guess yeah i kind of i guess (laughs) i didn't matter i blacked out too but at some point you do we resurface and they're at a party at their apartment right. again or the house again. I think it's the apartment, and yeah. they're there with uh, David Lee Roth. You know, they're the hottest thing on the strip now. Uh, and Doc McGee gets his entrance, uh, who is their manager, right. and who is also the manager of Kiss and John Bon Jovi and like countless other bands. Uh, Doc McGee is a, a very strange character in the world of rock and roll at this time in the world, right? Yeah, interesting dude. Like, I want to see a movie just about him. Because he's, like, a former drug smuggler who was caught in, like, one of the biggest drug busts in the 80s. Right. During the war on drugs, at at the height of the war on drugs. Right. And spent zero days in jail. Right. Well, that's so he is clearly a CIA informant. Yeah. 
<laughs> exactly. So, so you know what I mean? uh, but he so he takes on Motley Crue um, right. and starts to manage them and, and and is booking tours with them and, and is making like connections for them. Uh, and I guess the next next scene after that is they start that the Monsters of Rock tour, right? Right. But before that, we get the first breaking of the fourth wall with Mick turning to the camera and saying, "This isn't actually how it went down." Like just like telling you right away, like. Like, this movie is just totally a lie. Like, yeah. you don't have to believe anything that you're which seeing. Thing, this which is, is not a true story. Which is great. Nothing. <laughs> it's awesome. But they don't actually say that. They don't actually say nothing you're seeing is a true story. It's just that one scene, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that is true. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, there's another breaking of the fourth wall. I think it's, like, the A&R guy. I forget what he says. It doesn't matter. But, like, like in that scene, there's, like, they do it twice. It's, like, that's, like you can't do that twice in one scene. Like, <laughs> yeah. It just <laughs> it just keeps coming. Like, like, there's too many narrators. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, um, yeah. And then, yeah, there's, like, they, they just mentioned, like, oh, like, shout shout at the devil. Like, it's, like, not satanic. Shout even though people thought it was. Because we're not shouting with the devil. We're shouting at the devil. Yeah. Awesome. It's at him, man. It's so cool. And so, yeah, then they're on the... What, what was the name of the tour? The, the, Monsters um, of Rock. Yeah, so they're, they're on... They're, like... Well, they're they're playing with Ozzy. Like, they're they're yeah. opening for Ozzy's... Um, and this is where we get... Like, they're, they're just having a conversation about, like, dude, like, I have done... How many chicks have you done? So many chicks. <laughs> High five. And then that's where we get Mick Mars, who's, like, never part of any of these conversations, being like, um, actually, I respect females. <laughs> <laughs> so you know like even oh. that it's like mm, is he actually a feminist icon or right. did he just say females and, and it's yeah it's not great but <laughs> it is better than what everyone else is doing at the time right like right but i think it, it, just, it irked me that like, we're meant to understand him as like totally well, he's the enlightened one <laughs> totally <laughs> and then um and then you know i really did not like the guy who they cast as ozzy yeah, uh, I didn't something, something about him just rubbed me wrong. I didn't like him either. He, he had too many teeth. Um, too many teeth. He just like toothy. looks like too put together. Um, so he, he like shows up and he's like flashing an old lady. He's like wearing like a, a like a robe with nothing underneath it, and then he like he like pees, and then he oh, no first he snorts uh, a line of ants, and then he pees and licks his pee, and then Nikki Six is like, dude, I can do that, and he pees, and he's gonna go down, and then like Ozzy, <laughs> which is awesome, like he upstages him by like. Drinking his own pee, yeah. right, right. Drinking, also drinking Nikki's drinking pee. Nikki's pee. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, but <laughs> freaking awesome. The character of Ozzy Osbourne is used in such a strange way as like right. the cautionary tale guy here, where he's like, right, are you all ready for this? Like, you're not ready for this. Like, uh, we're right. gonna, it's gonna be crazy. You're all little babies. You've never done a big tour like well, and, this. And well, weirdly, he's like, he's, he's like, he's like. He's like, dude, you. But like, seriously, guys, you should be careful. Like, you can really like lose yourself out yeah. here. <laughs> He's like, I said, I really need a bump, and then he like snorts fire ants or some shit. And like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But but then but then follows that up by saying like, but seriously, you guys, like, you, you know, like you got to you got to be careful. <laughs> yeah, be careful, please, please. Uh, welcome. It's so weird. It's very strange, and yeah. like that's one of those times where it's like. I wish we would have just known the real story because right, but it, but at this at this point, well, go ahead. Well, I mean, at this point, we're sort of off the rails. It doesn't matter, right? Is that what you're gonna say? Right. Well, I was gonna say at this point, I was still counting the number of uh, breaking of the fourth walls, and so this is number three <laughs> with the manager being oh, up on a man. being up on a balcony in the hotel and then being like, 
these guys were assholes <laughs> like to the camera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> these guys were real assholes. And then we just get like a montage of them like running around oh, in man. like cheetah print thongs or whatever, like like just like like just just being terrible people. Yeah. Um and, and like and he says like yeah, like you know, the the manager doc is like they're stupider than most bands, in fact, you know. <laughs> like they they're actually the uh, the er asshole band. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so but they, uh, that was that. And then, you know, right away, we follow that up with a mud fight. So, very cool. Yeah. This is so where we that. meet at the mud fight, um, I think, is where we meet Razzle. Right. Who I was like, is this Slash? Like, <laughs> like I just don't know anything about Hanoi Rocks at all. I don't know anything about them either. I think, I think that's like maybe a, uh, like, American thing, like why would we know about Razzle? I don't know. He's wearing Razzle the band goggles on it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I thought it was Slash. I got to be honest. Yeah. Um. Oh, and and we actually, I I didn't take notes about this, but when there was like a meeting at the at their favorite diner or whatever with where they where they try to get Pete Davidson or like with Pete Davidson signs them, and there's like a woman underneath the table who's like apparently blowing all of them, and so and like they like like she tries to like do it to to pete davidson's to the a and r guy and he's like whoa whoa that's kind of too weird for me and they're like uh okay like i guess you're not into that and so then you know after yeah they're, they're like hanging out at, at the diner later on after we see like a mud fight whatever who cares um and then i forget who she's trying to blow at this point but then like she pops up again and it's like obviously it's, for comedic effect it's and I was razzle like, this isn't Right, they're, she's trying to blow Razzle, and Razzle's like into it because he's a rocker. And then, but but I, but at this point, I'm like, dude, like this is when I really started to sour on this movie. Like I was kind of in for like the first however long, you know, we've like honestly been recording longer than I think the movie has been running, at, like longer than like the point that we're at in the movie in terms of describing it. But um, I was like, this is not funny at all. Like it was kind of funny when like it's like making fun of of the Pete Davidson character just because I like I hate him so much. But like at this point, I'm like. This is just like this is stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's it's a even if it's true, it's like it's not. I don't care. I don't want to hear about it. You know? Yeah, it just it it didn't it didn't get the laugh that I think it's meant to. Yeah, like that's where it gets dark. Is where this is supposed to be funny, and it is definitely not right. 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 It's not funny to it to be like, uh, oh, you don't. I don't trust anybody who won't take a free blowjob. <laughs> like, well, but it, it, it's like, it doesn't even get. Me? And this thing is like a tonally, if the movie had shifted at that point and become dark then, that would have been interesting, but it doesn't do that. It holds off right. for a little while longer before it gets. Well, to that because point. that's but not like, dark to them, you know? No, that was, yeah, the, that to... was the peak of their happiness and success. <laughs> that's right. And, and so we get, you get to see like, yeah, they're all having sex with each other's girlfriends, blah, blah, blah. Um, and there's like the, the weird scene of like, um, so at this point they're playing big shows you know whatever like all that's kind of like background for me and then uh tommy is like bringing around his his greek mother um who like we just learn is greek all of a sudden i guess uh and then she like calls his fiance a groupie and she's like and then like the 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 fiance who's clearly a groupie um (laughs) and who was just getting banged by nikki six in the back um is like oh my god that's so offensive and then the mom is like what like what's the problem like you say groupie as though it's a good thing all the time (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. uh, but here i'm like i don't know what i'm supposed to think about this like what does the movie want me to believe (laughs) yeah i'm not really sure either 
it's, right. it's very strange. And also, the whole story there, I don't know if you realize this, but there was a whole falling out between Nikki and Tommy because Tommy found out that Nikki had slept with her, right? right? That makes sense. I don't think that they really touch no, on that. No, they never talk about that. No. Like, we, no. we because, see Nikki sleep with her, and we see right. Tommy and his fiance and that fall fall apart, but we don't see... I don't know. We don't see any of that, which is like right. the more interesting story again, which to Absolutely. be like, what did that scene look like when Nikki had to come clean or when Tommy caught them or, you know, like, right. But so, so this is the beginning of the fall of the band is the scene where they're on the, the, um, the tour bus with the fiance and the fiance like is just, uh, ripping into his mom. Yeah. Um, Tommy's mom. And, and of course he, like Tommy, Again, like they all the have mom's weird... not there, but they're on the no right. The fiance is right. on the so, bus, yeah, so the, just calling. They're, they're on a tour bus, yeah. and she's along for the ride for some reason. Yep. Um, which, which is which is which is was his like in the logic of the movie that was his mistake, right? Is like you you got to leave the chicks behind, dude. Like they're, they're fucking everything up. They're trying to like micromanage the band, you know? Like yeah, and we like see this that, later <laughs> on when we do see later on. Nikki says like, "Is this one gonna fuck things up or something?" Like right. But 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 in that moment, it's like this is where it gets dark and the music changes all of a sudden because Tommy hits her dude. Yeah. What the fuck, man? Super you, dark. You can do you can do anything. You can do drugs, you can get uh blowjobs in public, you know what I mean? You can do whatever you want, but brother, you may not touch a woman in that way. Uh and then that, like, I feel like, like I don't know if there's a like a serious music hit or something like that at that point, but I'm like, okay. Here they go. You know what I mean? Like like now it gets dark. Yeah, and it does get dark. I mean, at this point in the movie, I was like, oh, my God. Am I going to, like, am I going to keep watching? Like, will I keep right. watching this? Because this yeah. is, in all honesty, this is where the movie becomes, I think, painfully honest. Right? Right. Well, this is the more interesting part of the movie, like, for, for me. And is it, the way more interesting part. Because yeah. it's, like, the reality. Like, this guy does hate women but also now is like oh shit i gotta hate myself i can't believe i i punched a woman in the head well because and his whole framing of himself and and in the in the story is that he's the romantic which actually which to them just means that he like just falls in like like he just he he like locks eyes with a woman then he falls in love with them on the spot yeah (laughs) like in their world being romantic is just that i sometimes i'll see someone and i'll say Dang, I I'd, I'd like to have sex with that person. That's rom- <laughs> that's romance, right? Right. In this world, so, yeah. Right, and so the the, the next kind of like big scene that I I was writing or that I took notes about was they're at Vince's house in Redondo Beach, right? Um, and they're all like you know partying. It's like a really nice house. Like obviously they're they're really successful at this point. And uh, prior to that, like I guess it was at, like the mud fight or something like that. Vince meets his next wife, who's a um a stripper named Sharice or something like that yeah she well she was one of the in the movie she's one of the strippers in the mud fight that's right and he comes back and he says baby you don't have to work here anymore what if what if what if we move in together you know I'd move in with you I'd totally move in with you and she says sure yeah and then right and so then in this in this scene at the at the house in Redondo Beach she's pregnant um and so and then meanwhile like Tommy's falling in love with this other woman and they have this like interaction where he's like uh wait aren't you like that one Heather and she's like no aren't you that one guy from White Snake or something like that he's like oh man you're so mean like you can totally r- ride with me like I'm in love with you like <laughs> so there's that and then uh and then yeah so like Vince 
leaves his pregnant wife at the party and like I didn't even I don't again I knew nothing about the band I didn't know what was about to happen I was like oh man this is something bad's about to happen you don't leave you don't leave your pregnant wife at a at a party in Redondo Beach and go driving extremely drunk and yeah. have nothing no I mean the, the build up yeah. was great because the pregnant wife was like hurry back please be safe right. please be safe right. hurry back and like right yeah and, uh, did, and then, so uh, did you know before watching the scene did you know about what had happened no not at all. I because I knew that there was this car crash, but I didn't know right. when it was exactly. But I, as soon as they got into that, like it's like an orange uh, Porsche or something, right? Right. Or right. Sports car. We're the, we are the now. wrong people to try to talk about cars. <laughs> it was a car. I'm probably. It had four wheels. It was probably. a small flat car. It was flat. I think it might have been a coupe. Is that the correct term? It had coupe? a spoily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was an exhaust pipe. But as soon as he got into that car, I, I was immediately like, this is the thing. This is it. I thought he was going to die or something. I had, had no, no other had point no idea did they show happen. a car like that. Or any car, for that matter. But yeah, I, I mean, I knew about this when I was in high school, I think. I remember it didn't happen when I was in high school. I'm not that old. But I remember <laughs> reading about like this this dark thing that had happened in that guy's life. Right. I think because also he was on like all these VH1 shows, which were like, right, you know, the surreal life and and that shit. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. So and like you know, and like I wasn't even sure he was so like they get in a terrible car accident because obviously Vince is driving drunk, <clears throat> and they're like they're arguing about like 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 yeah like who would you rather bang like Boy George or Cindy Lauper or whatever like that. And yeah. I, I didn't realize that like Cindy Lauper was like <laughs> someone who was like shit on like that at the time. I don't know. Um, but, uh, so yeah, like they're, they're, they're arguing about that and then they get in a terrible car accident and then they like, kind of wake up and Razzle and like, I didn't know that Razzle was going to be dead until he's like, look at all the pretty lights, man. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. This guy's dead, bro. Like, yeah, <laughs> there's no way around dead. it. Like, <laughs> well, like, and then, uh, and the way they filmed the yeah. crash, the body definitely does not look good. Right. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. So he's, he's obviously in a bad way and then he dies. And at this, in my notes, I put hat guy, definitely dead. Yep. Um, and then I had to write his name down because I had to look it up uh, right after that. But so then there's like, an, again, this would have been an, like an interesting thing to really expand on would have been the fact that – and they, I think they included like archival footage in this point, like all of a sudden like so like to, to depict like the fact that he was on trial but he got out with only spent – like he was sentenced to only 30 days in jail for manslaughter. Like I, I think maybe even other people in the other car were also like grievously injured, you know? Um, but then they said, like, but he ended up only serving 19 days because he stayed sober. Right. <laughs> you know, so, like, like that's, a, like, a, and so that was, like, a huge news story because people were like, um, what? <laughs> yeah, which is which is absurd. You know who else was involved with the band at this time who huh. also got out of jail time? Who? Doc McGee. Uh, okay, wait, so is this when he gets busted? Uh, I mean, this is well after when Doc McGee gets busted, but he also was able to, you know, talk his way out of it or make a deal right. or, or, you know, there was some sort of a window open for that. Right. Coming to you in a later episode, the Doc McGee episode. Dude, yeah, we have to do an investigation of Doc McGee, but um, but then so meanwhile, you know, we 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 I don't I don't even know or care who's been like narrating at this point, but then we go back to Nikki narration and he's like i wasn't there for him do you know why because i just met the love of my life and oh like yeah this, like, scene where it's like really mis- like purposely misleading and like you see like like a but, you know but you know from the behind. beginning of the scene what it's gonna be right <laughs> yeah, yeah 
Well, actually, because maybe I'm just he stupid hates because women. I did not. He hates well, women. Well, that's true. Why would You're he right. be talking? Why would coming. he be talking about this like naked woman in front of him in this scene? Suddenly, right. he's like, she's she made me feel happiness. She made me feel warm. She made me feel right. all these things. He's never talked about that the entire movie. No. It's heroin. Right. And, and when the really, camera pans around, it's heroin. Right. And Brought and to him like on really, a silver platter. Right, right. By the by the uh unclothed woman, of course. But like this is like something that I understood because I had read I at this point in my life, I have read the book Scar Tissue by Anthony Kiedis probably like five times in its entirety. So yeah. most of that book is like exactly that same kind of description of like, yeah, I fell in love with a woman and her name was heroin. <laughs> I mean, like, like, so this, the next part of this movie is just like, you know, like a pretty harrowing depiction of addiction, I guess, in some ways. But it's it's so, sure. as, but it's, but it's so aestheticized or I don't know what like the, what the word is, you know, but it's like, it's, it's so eroticized and everything like that that it's maybe it's like honest to like the way that it's yeah feels like to be caught up in that you know what i mean you know, it's but, just, um, it's but just, it's, it seems so transparent it's hollywoodized and, and it's like that right. one scene where i think after that they pan to a scene where he's like i had gone too far or like maybe it's Tommy right. going i i think nikki had gone too far <laughs> yeah and it's just right, nikki right. on the ground drinking a glass of wine at a party where everyone else is passed out. Well, that that's that's later. Oh shit, that's later, right? Are because you sure? That's yeah. Because first we get the scene of Vince getting out of jail, right? I and then, see. Like, and then like, and then and then Nikki right. makes it like it tricks him into doing a bump of smack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes him puke, and then he's like, "Dude, fuck you guys, I'm out of here." Which is another <laughs> thing where I would love to know if that's true or not. But I, I honestly, I I don't know how to, you know. But, but, probably no but, way but, to really fact check that, but it is just like, does that change the scene or the narrative of the movie? Like, if he tricks him into doing smack, or if he just done blow? Well, no, but I think I think it's just like you know, like it, whether it's true or not, what the movie is trying to tell us is like it's trying to have some kind of rationalization for why the band begins to fall apart, right? And it and it couldn't just be the fact that like all these people kind of hate each other somewhat now, or like it couldn't just be that like yeah, like they're like all their lives are just like have gotten spun out of control like no it's like it's actually that <laughs> that it's like it has to be represented and symbolized by the fact that nikki like like is like loves heroin so much that he's like just tricking everybody into like taking bumps of heroin you know yeah um and then and then, then we get the scene of like nikki like lying on his bed super extremely strung out and like listening to his mom like on the voicemail i hated that scene so or that sequence so much it's like so like mm, like you know, play the tiny little violin, you know what I mean? Like, like, you know, like I'm like drug addiction is like a substance abuse is really can be really, really harrowing, obviously, you know what I mean? Like, but that's not what the emotion that is elicited from this or by this scene to me at all. I'm just like, Oh, I don't care. Like, fuck you. You (laughs) Like, like, like whatever, dude. Like, like, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, it sucks. And then, uh, oh, and by the way, Sharice and, uh, like, Vince's wife has a daughter now. <clears throat> the daughter was born, and there's, like, a really great sequence that I liked of, like, the of, like him trying to hold his daughter at a rehearsal. And his daughter just hates him and just, like, crying. Doesn't and, like, want to do does it. Does not want Yeah. Right. And, and, and so this is, like, this is the beginning of his arc of, like, for Vince. That, like, he's, like, kind of the person that you're supposed to identify with, I think, more I think than the anyone most, else by the end of the... You were, like, yeah. invited into the world of Motley Crue as Vince. You know, you were just singing in rock candy 
right. you know, out in like right. He was somewhere in Orange County. Sense, yeah, you're just singing in rock candy, singing Aerosmith songs, right. and then you join these like dirtbag looking guys playing their band, and all of a sudden, everything has gone to shit. Every single right. thing. Right, and then um, and then right, and so then this is where we get the. Tommy's 24 hours on tour sequence. Oh, man. <laughs> Which is, I don't know. How did you feel about that? I, I absolutely hated it. <laughs> it was so awful. And so, like, you know, you know, as someone who's played in bands, not at right, a... Right, see, that, that's why I want your opinion on it. Not like, at I've never a, on tour But not at, like, a professional level or, like, you know, not in any way where I made money or like should have been doing it out of like uh, a responsible decision, you know, just as like a thing where sure. I, I was young enough and, and, and able to like do whatever. Uh, and not that I did it for very long, but like that it's just like, this is weird. Like you're just a rich dude. Who's in a band? Like, I can't believe you're, you're trying to posit this, this day in a, uh, a complaintive type of way, right? Like I wake up, right. I'm handcuffed to the bed again. <laughs> it's like, what is, is it a complaint or is it like? I think it's depicted as pretty cool. Yeah, it, it's like I kind of out of control, but it's also pretty cool. He is trying to complain because he's also trying to say this is where things fall apart for Tommy, right? It, this is right. the dark period for everybody. Besides, right. besides Mick, who is just an alien and nothing is affecting him at all. So, well, actually, he's chugging bottles of vodka. But we don't have like an aside with Mick. Right. It doesn't seem to affect him. Yeah, <laughs> like, he fine. doesn't. He's not like. And during this time, I was also having feelings. Right. So, so, he's just so like drinking just, vodka. Yeah. yeah. So I didn't take very detailed notes about this, even though I, like, I initially thought I might. But like, it, it's like he wakes up at like four p.m. or whatever. Five p.m. He says Rem- he wakes up 5 at 5 p.m. Remembers nothing. He shows up to rehearsal at 7.30, starts drinking, starts partying, shows at 9.30, afterwards calls his fiance. Well, but first then, he has to get a hit of oxygen. He has to hit Oh, oxygen yeah, he hits he, the oxygen. He's already doing – he's, like, spinning upside down right. his drum rig. This is point. where – Did were you aware of this as a drummer, that Tommy Lee well, had I, I this had roller coaster it. drum set? I But I didn't know that it – I didn't know it was – Tommy, I didn't know it was Motley Crue, but I'd seen I've seen the rig before. Yeah. I mean that's one of my favorite YouTube videos is Tommy Lee roller coaster <laughs> drum set where he's just he just says like, and now we're gonna go to the right and he like spins <laughs> spins to the right for a little while and he's like, and to the left and like the whole time the crowd is just like Yeah <laughs> Holy shit dude. It's amazing it's like it's the most uh it's just taking any rock and roll and just completely condensing it to to primarily spectacle where right. people it's just you know at that point it's just a fireworks show right and, and this guy happens like, to be playing drums but there's mostly just fireworks going off right right and this is the arena rock period this is like the nadir of music and like <laughs> like my experience being on tour was nowhere near that lavish for sure, right? Sure. But right. at the same time, like, I have played, I've done a tour that's like two months long, right? And mm-hmm. every single day, I wasn't like, wake up 5 p.m., man, get on the airplane. Like, immediately, yeah. nope. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Wrong. Yeah. Like, well, can't identify with that's that. That's not it. Like, uh, 
but like you you have to take care of yourself like it doesn't work right. i mean obviously that's a, it's a trope right like you have to everybody wants to party hard and like I, i've certainly done my fair share of that but like this weird trope of like ah uh, you just like get fucked up and like uh someone else uh takes care of it i don't know it's like right that would have been a fun trope to explore in this movie if they'd put any more right effort into the the character of doc mcgee who was the guy that like kept them all out of jail and like kept everything running right. on time that- kept all the trains running on time while being a cia agent <laughs> not an agent but a, a, a like what do they call him like a like a, you know like, undercover yeah, agent or something <laughs> like a, like a, a, a an asset that's what they call him. oh yeah but asset. uh but but um but yeah so like so he's like getting fucked up all night like he like you know yeah like gets off stage gets gets fucked up like and then like i think there's a sequence where like they're like there's like people bringing like trays of like each of their own individual favorite drugs like um and then he like is is blacked out extremely fucked up and like gets into his hotel room and just starts to destroy it immediately until he's punched out by doc mcgee and handcuffed to the says, bed. so like that's like, like what i really want to know more about he says, like, go to sleep and like yeah yeah which is great and then, and then loved watching that that's awesome that was that was great yeah um and then but then like then we see doc mcgee overstep his bounds and i think we're like meant to maybe interpret the like handcuffing as being like kind of messed up or something but it seems like the only way to handle them uh but then yeah he, like, oversteps his bounds by calling nikki's mom bum 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 right <laughs> and then yeah so she shows up and she's like you know we're meant to understand she just basically she like it's almost like she's like flirting with nikki in the scene like sort of like, like we're just like and again like this is the thing is like not only does the band hate women or whatever but like the the they're trying to inhabit the world so completely that the movie hates clearly hates women <laughs> well <laughs> and this is where the movie the dirt starts to really right. uh hit a stride the squirt synonymously with joe dirt where oh, because nikki okay. is famous now much I like joe dirt had become famous his parents whom he had never really known Right. Now want something to do with him. They want a piece, right. a piece of the Nikki Six pie. Exactly, and and so he picks up on this because I forget why. And then she, she I think she says she keeps calling him Frank. That's what it is. And he's like, "That's not my name. That's not my fucking name. <laughs> I like, burned my ID. Didn't ground. you know that? <laughs> yeah. I hate you, mom. Yeah. You're the reason why I hate everybody. Oh man. Uh, so that happens. Yep. Um, and then this is the scene that you were talking. So about. this oh, yeah, is that scene didn't happen. Of course not. Completely. Yeah. I don't know if that's on your Rolling Stone list, but completely false. Like, uh, Doc did not get fired by the band then. You know, right. you want to know how Doc actually got fired? Yeah, I do. How, how did that happen? They went on this tour and they were in Moscow and the KGB told uh, all of oh. these bands that they weren't allowed to use pyrotechnics, right? Huh. So no one used pyrotechnics. Uh, and there was all this, like, head bashing about who was headlining the, the tour it ended up being that John Bon Jovi closed out the night, right? So Motley Crue has already played at this show. Right. And John Bon Jovi shows up and immediately pyrotechnics <laughs> right off the bat. Crowd goes fucking crazy. Tommy I Lee bet. says, fuck you, Doc. You're fired. <laughs> because he wouldn't he let, let he wouldn't let anybody do the pyrotechnics. That's how he got fired, which is, again, wow. the better story. Totally. Well, That's but so also, much better of just being like, but, fuck you, you wouldn't let us light shit on fire. 
and they got to light shit on fire. Dad, I wanted to light shit on fire. Why can't I do it, Dad? Come on. Wow. So, I mean, like, we're really getting a sense of, like, what the better movie is here, which is it's got to be from Doc's perspective, right? So, like, it's, got, it's like a movie well, from his POV. Maybe. You know, but, but, like, but, like, we're, like, yeah, like, because otherwise there's no, you know, they, they just totally leave out. It would have to be about Doc being a CIA asset. Like, that would be yeah, a whole Yeah, I mean, we'd have to go movie. back to, like... I think World War Two, where he was, where he served, and then after oh World God. War Two, where he starts smuggling drugs in the seventies. Jesus Christ! Like, yeah, th- that's a cool movie. Yeah, I would love to just go into that movie whenever it gets written. If someone, if you can just let us know if this movie is already in production, we would love to know about it, and we'll keep tracking its progress. Yeah, the Doc McGee story. So, CIA, so this is where CIA two K. Ooh, okay, maybe you should write it. Um, but so this is where, this is the scene that comes in where like, yeah, now the Coke parties have turned into heroin parties. Yeah. Um, and I, actually, I really like the the exchange between him and his like heroin dealer guy where he, he's like, bro, this is the, this is the Persian shit. And then Nikki and they're like, everyone's strung out. It's like a right. party. That's where, that's the and, scene I was trying to talk about. Okay. You, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I brought that in way too early, but where <laughs> we're supposed to believe that everyone was partying and then. It's this is like another common trope within like the rock and roll thing, right? Where Nikki Six is just you know he's got so many other issues, so many other things to drink about and do drugs about that he right. everybody else has passed out way before he is, and he's just up drinking, uh, yeah, totally drinking red wine in the morning, and some guy comes over and goes, "Oh, did I miss the party?" <laughs> yeah, and he's like, he's like, he's like, dude, this is the Persian stuff, and then Nikki's like, like everyone's extremely strung out, and he's like, wait, like. Is there even a Persia? <laughs> and, then, and, then, and, then, and then his drug dealer's like, "Yeah, man. What about uh, the, there's the cats?" And he's like, "He's like, no, dude. Those are called Siamese cats." <laughs> so you know, like, yeah. And then and then they're like arguing about like whether like they're more perverted than Disney. I don't know. It's bizarre. And then um, yeah. And then he falls out. He ODs. <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> Uh, but we do see in the ambulance, this is one of the true stories, is that right, in the right. ambulance was uh, a Motley Crue fan who injected... The ambulance was or, or the pa- paramedic was? The uh, paramedic was. the ambul- In right. the ambulance was a Motley Crue right. fan. Yeah. I see, I see. Who was a paramedic who injected a second adrenaline syringe right. straight into Nikki Very Six's fucking heart. Boom. Right. He wakes up and he and, says, uh, right. Ouch! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Owie. <laughs> and then, and then, uh, and then he's like the the his Nikki's narration is like, "This was rock bottom. Time to get clean." And then it's like, "Actually, no." <laughs> and yeah. Starts playing the song. You can't put your arms around a memory. Um. And then because he locks himself into his uh into his closet and continues to use. And he's like, "That was rock bottom." time to get clean you know it's like it's like bah, da, da, bah, bah. you know it's just like like such a weird way of framing that 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 what would happen to you but yeah. then then we get you know the motley crew goes to rehab yeah um, but hilariously vince his narration comes over and he says you know what rehab was a drag it's pretty lame so we're just not going to show <laughs> <laughs> and so this is the this is where i wanted to bring in um some kind of monster because some kind of monster is doing, you know, what other docs or whatever had never done really, which was like 
to only be the rehab part, basically. Yeah, right. <laughs> so like, just, like, like this is like this is like, this like is only the shittiest parts of their story. Rehab. Damn. <laughs> yeah, that's very so, true. So, that, so if you were if you were waiting for it, folks, that's where you got the little Easter egg of Bing. That's the connection. Should we count again? Yeah. Wait, what? One, two, three, four, five. Bing. Bing. Got it. Yeah. So that was it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I, they now they're sober, and uh, they go back into the studio, and and Nikki's like, I can feel everything. I used to not be able to feel anything. Now I can feel everything. And he's like a and, dick on the board, right? Like, yeah. yeah. He's like, he's like, why don't you like, try that again, but like, like really uh, give it some feeling there? But I think we're also meant to understand that like, him being so exacting is what resulted in them having like a hit record. Yeah, I think that's that's what they're trying to say. But it is it does just look like it's we're still a band that doesn't communicate at all. You know, like every no right. one learned a lesson. No. Besides not and, and not so, to use drugs, I guess. Right. And and I guess did we I, so we totally skipped over the scene the um the Tommy's marriage scene where like Oh yeah, Nikki is like famously like extremely high on heroin, and so yeah. he fucks that up. Fucks that one up. But whatever, he fucks it up. That's all we really need to know. Yeah, it doesn't really um, matter that much. Yeah, everything's a blur. Um, then we get the song "The Same Old Situation" uh, plays, and Tommy's marriage is not going well. Vince's marriage is fucked up. Tensions are rising in the band, um, and then and then there's like the the it all comes to a head when they're on this sober tour. I don't even really know where they're supposed to be, but then like Tommy and Vince are just like, you know what? Like, uh, like uh, we get this, like Tommy, like is it keeps like trying to like call his wife or whatever, but like, he like does it less and less. And he's like, Oh, I'm so weak. Like, I'm like trying to talk to her on the phone. Like, well, like a other woman is like going down on me or whatever. Like, and then, so they both fall off the wagon. Right. Uh, Tommy and Vince do. Uh, and then like, w- like, and, and Vince is like totally through with the band. Like he, at this point he's like, dude, this is screwing up my life like i have something else to live for like i have a family you know what i mean like like and then he comes back and then they've packed up and left um you know and, and then I, and like at this point like we're seeing like i saw a pearl jam poster and so we th- that's yeah. the only indication that it's the 90s that's something else that i i wrote down was that we see <laughs> right before i think uh there's a quote where nikki says everything's changing out there guys we're getting left in the dust there's a, a like right. a Pearl Jam. It's not. I don't know if it's a poster though, because it takes up a whole wall. I don't know if we're meant to yeah. think that it's a poster or if it's like graffiti on their studio or some shit. Yeah. Either way, know, it's, it's it's a lot. Yeah. We it's so. I also want to say that the um, Vince and Tommy drinking again. I think is another another time where they've completely fictionalized the story, right? Uh, where. Vince, I think, was drinking the whole time is, like, one thing that he copped to mm. is, like, I didn't really believe in the whole fucking getting sober thing, blah, blah, blah. Right. Tommy, uh, there's one... Now I can't remember what it is, but there's, like, this minor inconvenience on their world tour that sets Tommy back, and he right. and then he gets found in the dressing room, like, drinking a bottle of vodka. Right. And it's not, like, this cutesy thing, like, scene in a bar where they're, like... You won't let me do what I want. You won't let me do right. this. It's like, it's what actual addiction is. And like, that's where right. the power of that narrative completely loses its weight is where like, this is the darkest part of the movie. And, and it was like 
pretty powerful to watch that they were doing a great job and then it completely lost its heft because right it's it's just a dramatic scene in a fucking tgi fridays all of a sudden like what the fuck is up with that like that's not how that stuff happens like but but the, and the most effective thing is the Vince arc because like he's like he comes home to the big empty Redondo Beach house which is like he's totally haunted by like Razzle's ghost or whatever. Oh yeah, you know what I mean and like like he comes in like all their shits packed up and he's just like so crestfallen and like like he's actually kind of selling it like um, totally. So he, he becomes like the moral center of the end of the movie. Sure. sure. And then and then uh, well, go ahead. No, I think I think you have a better grasp before this goes. Well, at this point, like, my notes get really sparse, but uh, this is where um, Vince is replaced in the band because he, like, right. stops showing up. He's just like, I'm, I'm over this. And He's pretty much everyone that the band talks to is like, I, I just really liked it better with Vince. I just, I just really yeah, like yeah. that one more. <laughs> and at this point, we also get, like, And, like, in front of like, the guy that has replaced him, I think, at a couple points. And he's just, like, smiling. Like, like, yeah. Yeah. Also, guy that like, guy hair. doesn't have a line. No, he just smiles. He doesn't say anything. He says no he words. Matter. But but visually, what we get is like one of the many like you know like dress up changes where we see like now um, Nikki Six has the characteristic long soul patch. Finally, <laughs> yeah, which is so awesome. Like he's got like the 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 grunge like shag haircut and the the monolith. Uh, is that what it's called? The monolith. It's so <laughs> it's so amazing. I just thought of the monolith, but. Oh, the, the Utah monolith? Yeah. yeah but that's yeah. like, it's like, that's what's on Nikki's chin. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then, and then this is where, so like Vince, like he's like, he's full blown alcoholic again, hanging out at the bar all the time, watching like them do an interview with the new singer. Also on TV. the choice and, and like, of yeah, the, yeah, the bar. Like, what what do you think about the choice of the bar? It's like a tiki lounge. Well, it's tiki, Every, but it also but, has like, but not only is, it, is it a tiki lounge, but also Vince and everyone else in the bar is wearing like a Hawaiian shirt. Oh, I missed that. I guess it's the only thing I could pay attention to. I, I didn't follow the story think, here at all. But well, that must be like just like supposed to be like a like a visual cue that the filmmakers wanted us to like know. Like, yeah, he's his life kind of sucks ass. <laughs> he's hanging out at tiki bars. <laughs> yeah, he's like a re- and retired so he's guy. doing that. Yeah, um, and then. Uh, he gets a call from his wife and then we cut to like him being in the hospital and it turns out his daughter don't know her name she has cancer Skyler Skyler that's correct she gets stomach cancer um, right she gets stomach cancer and then it's like at, at this point like I feel like I've been so used by this movie that like I couldn't bring myself to like really care and then he like there's like the really fu- like I just hated the scene where he's like there's like a little flower growing in your belly come on like like fuck right off with that shit dude it, um, it was it was a lot it was it was really trying to do just too much yeah in such a short and like that objectively so sad so totally. terrible really bad you know especially and, like, for a yeah, guy like, who I, just also was in like that car accident that killed a friend and like uh, there's all sorts right. of bad stuff that seems yeah, clearly lumped right around each other but i think it's also important to understand that the theater of pain uh mm. that whole album was dedicated to Russell. there were like songs made in right. his honor that netted them you know millions of dollars right uh, not and that, that like necessarily takes flavor of it but right yeah like they had to do that it was like a marketing ploy sure and to, like, and there is also like a vince neil's like solo career 
where he's he's also singing songs oh, about his daughter who died. Oh my god! Which is not necessarily, you know. Look, do I mean, whatever he's got to do it. But yeah, let me read you. Like, since we're at the peak here of feeling bad for Vince, yeah, can I read you a couple things? Definitely. Neil was arrested in 2002 for punching record producer Michael Schumann in a nightclub parking lot. Okay. In 2003, Neil was arrested again after accusations that he assaulted a sex worker at the Moonlight Bunny Ranch after grabbing her by the throat and throwing her up against a wall. Ooh, shit. Wonder why they didn't put that in. In 2004, an arrest warrant for misdemeanor sexual assault was issued for Neil after a fight during a show where he left a sound man unconscious. Oh. In 2007, okay. Neil was arrested for suspicion of a DUI in Las Vegas after police spotted him making some erratic moves in his Ferrari. Okay. In 2010, Neil was arrested on suspicion of drunk driving in Las Vegas after having allegedly smashed a fan's camera. Okay. In well, 2011, you know. <laughs> he was charged with battery and disorderly conduct after an altercation with ex-girlfriend Alicia Jacobs. Okay. In 2015, Neil along with Rockstar Investment Group President Mark Daniels and Vice President Robert Huco, were sued by Sora Perudi for fraud over a $500,000 investment towards the Las Vegas Outlaws Arena football team. Nice. That's so oh sick. So, so like his life pretty oh, much becomes man. uncut gems. Uh, in 2016, he was charged for a misdemeanor battery for assaulting a woman outside the Aria Resort and Casino in Las Vegas. So very cool guy. So, but my question, I also want to say, like, yeah, go ahead. He, let's see. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay, okay. Here's ahead. the last one. Are you ready? Yeah. In November of 2016, Neil revealed that he had been contacted and was scheduled to play with his own band at the inauguration of Donald Trump in Washington D.C. on January 20th, 2017. Quoted, "I don't know how long I have to play." I don't know if the Republican Party says which songs to play and what not to do. Sounds ex- okay. He sounds excited. I guess. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, but here's my question is like, do we have a similar laundry list of like assaults and like battery and everything from the other guys? Or is he special in that way? Uh, I mean, let me, let me cross check this stuff. I just wanted to, like, you know, as we were going down the route, oh, you know what? Right. You know why I like Big Mars? Because he, he's from, has never been arrested? He's from Indiana. Oh, wow. Indiana royalty. Sam, so he has the same trajectory as you. He ended up in California, man. He's con- contributed songwriting to Evanescence. Dope. Oh, man. Played the guitar on the title track of Hinder's 2008 album. Hell yeah. He's been in it, man. He's a lifer, like we said. Wow. And he was a, he so, played a guitar solo on a Papa Roach song. Yeah. Right. He doesn't have any sort of, any kind of like... Uh, rap sheet? Yeah. He doesn't have a rap sheet like that. Um, well, I just want to say would, like, like, like... And I'm neither does Nicky because Because... It, well, because it messes up the narrative so bad of the movie. Because at this point, he's become like a "I respect women because my daughter is dead" <laughs> kind of right. guy. Right, and <laughs> and like... it doesn't really, you know. I guess Tommy is the other one that has a rap sheet. I don't. Right. Do we want to go into sense. that? I don't know if we want to go into that. 
No, whatever. Yeah. Like, I, I can just assume that he's done, like, all the same assaults or whatever that Vincent Well, did. you would think that, but maybe I should go into it, actually. Oh, shit. All right. Let's, let's go. I'm ready. So, I think here's where I want to lead off. Tommy Lee is a supporter of animal rights and PETA. He wrote a letter to the president of SeaWorld protesting the treatment of uh, the animals there. Okay, sure. He called it sick and twisted. (laughs) Um, Not like I'm sick and twisted, like in a different, worse way, you know. He also wrote as a member of PETA to the Calgary Stampedes truck wagon Are, is this a list of his crimes <laughs> i just i just want to start with that okay here's okay. here's the crimes he served six months in jail after pleading no contest to kicking pamela anderson while she was holding their son dylan what wait okay so right that's why I, that's why i would know tommy lee he right? faced a married. 1998 lawsuit where he allegedly exposed a right-facing nazi swastika tattoo on his arm to public <laughs> scrutiny Okay. <laughs> In parentheses, the tattoo was actually a left-facing swastika. Oh, yeah. So that's just a Buddhist symbol. No, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he had pleaded no contest to criminal charges of battery against a Jewish photographer after he was a- after he attacked the man outside the Viper Room in L.A. Did he attack him before uh, being Jewish? The, vi- the swastika, which has been removed, oh. was said to be visible at the time. I see. Shortly after claiming that the introduction of the tattoo into the court, blah, blah, blah. It was a stupid tattoo that he, yeah, whatever. He says it was a stupid tattoo he obtained years ago. Everything he does is stupid. Uh, Lee was charged with, along with Nikki Six, uh, was arrested in North Carolina after instigating a riot after their 1997 concert at the Greensboro Coliseum. Okay. Nikki Six allegedly make, made racist comments to a black security guard, suggesting that the crowd attack him. And Six and okay. Lee were said to have poured beer over the guard's head. Jesus. Uh, uh, <laughs> a four-year-old... Like- oh, my God. This is terrible. A four-year-old was said to have drowned in Lee's swimming pool while attending a birthday party for Lee's five-year-old son. Oh, my God. Uh, God, that's depressing. Lee was kicked out of the MTV Music Awards in 2007 after engaging in a fight with Kid Rock. Of course, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> I feel like they're just like mirror images of the same person, sort of. Yeah, that's just... A, I think the Tommy Lee stuff is darker, though. Maybe? That is really dark. I don't know. Well, and, it, and it's, it's, it's such, it sounds like such a cry for help, even more so than, like, what Vince is doing. Like, Vince is just, like, self-destructing, but, like, like right. Tommy's just trying to, still get, trying to get attention. He, like, everything is, like, the roller coaster drum rig for him. Yeah. Okay, so, at this point, I, I wrote in big letters in my notes, this movie is so long. Yeah. And so we get the sequence of, like, all of them doing bad. Mick is watching old videos of the band, because he's a lifer, and all he cares about is music. Tommy is just having sex with too many babes. Um, and then the, yeah, everyone's talking about how the band is better with Vince. And then that's when Skylar dies. Um, and then we get back to <laughs> at this point is like, I, like my notes get so sparse at this point, but like, I think it's fine to just like skip forward. This is like such a horrible long movie. And um, this is where we get like the, re- the, the kind of like reprise of the line about Nikki chasing ghosts. And like, like now he's like extremely introspective and he like goes on his like little tour to like, 
get the band back together, but not not um, before he like meets his half brother and like visits the grave of his father, who like he, whose approval he never got but always wanted. Well, his, and who him. do you remember what Tommy what uh, Nikki wanted to name the band? The Foreskins. Oh, Christmas. And his father died of a heart attack on Christmas, Christmas? Day. Oh my God! Wow, it's um. It's like he was always meant to be a fucking asshole whose dad left him or something. I don't know. What's the meaning of that? Yeah, <laughs> Am I, I supposed to I like, don't know. take away from that? <laughs> like, um, yeah, so there's this awesome line where he says, I was chasing ghosts, but what I was looking for was right in front of me the whole time. Terrible. It was the band. Ugh. Whatever. They get back together. They play another show. I hate them. Um, I guess Nick's fine. Whatever. <laughs> and then... And then I don't know if there's anything else you want to say before I talk about the credits. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's just that last scene where they all find Vince in the bar, in the tiki bar, together. And they're all like, oh, man, we just want to talk. Man, you are my brother. And Nikki leads with all this, like, all this other stuff of, like, I just, I'm so, I'm such an asshole. I did all this. We just want to play songs. We do all this. I, I just want to play songs. Uh, blah blah blah. Well, Nikki's actually Nick, actually like, I don't even care if we never play another note. You're my brother. Yeah, but that's all bullshit. Okay, but that's what they say. We have sure. to like, that's what happens in the scene. And then they're like, I'm really sorry about what happened to your four year old daughter that died of cancer or whatever <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> just man, gets I choked don't know. up. Yeah, and then Vince is like yeah. uncontrollably sad, understandably, right? right. Like that's <laughs> awful. <laughs> and then it just and then it like just like. I don't know, maybe something happens in between, but then like it pretty much just abruptly cuts to them like doing the epic like walk out of the dress yeah. like, out of the dressing room scene, like they come like line up one the by one and same like hell yeah. Fucking thing. It, <laughs> God. Anyways, I think we can wrap up and say that No no, no wait, 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 but 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 there's this right, credit read sequence the credits. where where throughout the credits it's like and this guy as Vince or whatever and like, and like like it does these like side by side thing where it's like it's just showing you how close how much attention was put into the wardrobe yeah and that's what like really drove home to me like the what this movie is is just like a really really overproduced overblown game of dress up yeah the whole thing that's what it is yeah period I mean and that's what the whole band was it was just an overproduced right. game of dress up they none of these guys knew what they were fucking doing they all just like had a lot of issues. Well, but but to be fair to what you were saying before, it's like they had riffs. Like there was, some, I think, that, you know, not knowing that much about this era of, of music or like this kind of music in particular, like it does seem like they were doing some, they were like, you know, not, I don't know if leading the pack because like everything was like so contrived, like, like we've been saying, but they like did it to the nth level. Well, but think about this. These are the last, this is the last bastion of like glam rock and gla- glam metal uh, are these guys, right? Who have these stories and who right. are collecting these stories, like who are very intentionally putting these stories out into the universe and, and showcasing them to, to their fans and right. their entire contribution to music. While I feel that there are good songs and there are like riffs that I think are like pretty sick, their entire contribution is going to mean like fucking squat, Right. Because yeah. what comes after them yeah. is Pearl Jam. What comes after them is like right. singer-songwriters, people who are like writing things that that uh, 
in the case of Pearl Jam, that there's too much meaning trying to be like distilled <laughs> into into a single song. Well, it's bloated maybe. in a different way. Yeah, bloated yeah. in an entirely different way, but it, in a reaction to what they were doing, right? Right, and so this right. is what where they die out, and this is their last gasp of, of bullshit. Point. Is like, look at our look at what we look like in our our peak times. We're gonna hire these young actors who are hot as shit, and and who have abs still to play us and party and like, you know, do all this stupid bullshit while we rant on and like laugh about it. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's so self serving because like like there's this part where like they have like the actor or the hot actor come out of the out of the trailer and then like the real guy come out of the trailer and just looking like old and haggard yeah. <laughs> I mean, like hell yeah. yeah brother like let's fucking get Tommy it Tommy Lee looks <laughs> terrible yeah so bad um, yeah but it's yeah yeah I don't know if it's worth watching I think all these guys are pieces of shit these are all the people that you see wearing like affliction t-shirts and uh, all the the older people in their like 50s or whatever that are riding Harley bikes and uh, maybe have uh been watching too much of the Motley Crue documentary <laughs> so far right. and think that they can live like this and like treat women like shit and piss on the floor and someone else will drink their piss or they'll drink their own piss. The world doesn't work that way anymore. We don't want it to work that way anymore. Uh, you know, there's a new sheriff in town and, and his name is, uh, young blood, Kurt Cobain. Oh, oh yeah. Young blood. Yeah. Hell yeah, dude. Did you watch that? That video? No, I just keep getting the stupid ad for young blood. Do you got to watch the video, man? I'll just want people to be originally themselves, you know, and like (laughs) in such. Okay, so, but I, I wanted to circle back because I think you made a really good point. That's like, yeah, the contribution of Motley Crue. I'm mean, going to repeat what you said, just underline it. Like, is that they represented everything that musicians realized that they could no longer do, and that no one should that is not desirable, and that no yeah. one wants to aspire to, and then reacted in the opposite direction. Right. And like, yeah, like there was still plenty of money being thrown around in a similar way, but they were like just trying to find people who were like already strung out, I guess, or I don't know. You know like, yeah, that you, or that you can act in the interest of what you think is your own independence and you're like being a free and like free thinking person. But, uh, in reality you are just serving the interests of like the cogs of the greater machine, which are doc McGee, the Electra record exec, you know, and and they are just like fueling your self-destruction in that way. Uh, so that you can continue to line their pockets that there's this like right. type of freedom that gets advertised within the uh I guess we would call this the alternative culture of the time, right? Uh and it is actually mm-hmm. not the alternative culture. It's it's the culture that like is just uh uh it's not even parasitic. It's just it is like the runoff of the rest of the culture. Right. But but it's but it's also like what drives the culture and like what you were saying reminded me that it's like that's kind of like what Obama represents to me as well it's just sure. like someone who like is just like just on autopilot yeah just doing whatever needs to be done they have no control over anything really like the people who run our country like so in, in a similar way it's like yeah like motley crew like they were you know part of the kind of like they were <laughs> you know as i'm as we've been arguing like cia assets who are like just like doing the dirty work of uh capitalism basically and like you know 
making that all the excesses, all the worst things that capitalism has done to us seem cool for a brief moment while we could still make that argument, I guess, or someone could, or someone was trying, you know? So, so yeah, that's kind of it. And then maybe, uh, the, the, like I, I read a, um, review that Matt Chrisman from, from Chopper Trap House put up on, on Letterboxd, which I've started like logging the movies that I watch on Letterboxd because I don't know why. Um, and his, his take on it, I think is pretty good, which is, uh, that you should watch this if you have a fetish for people having sex in bathrooms. <laughs> that That's who I recommend it for oh, as well. I endorse that. Yeah. That's a good point. So that's, that's really who this movie's for. And you know what? Respect. All right. Well, in the last minute here, uh, before we, we conclude this long fucking review of this long and terrible so movie, long. um, I'm going to give this movie, I'm going to go ahead and give this a quarter bag of popcorn with a hole in the bottom where all the oil leaked out onto your pants. Um, (laughs) Right. I'm also going to give this movie a couple of Swedish fish that you found in your cup holder. There you go. Uh, I'm going to give this movie uh, a cherry Coke where the the Mm -hmm. syrup in in the line of the bag that was coming through the soda fountain had run out. So you got a little right. bit, but it doesn't taste good. It just tastes like pennies. It tastes like pennies. Yeah. 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 I, I get, on the other hand, I will give it, you know, you know, two out of five roller coaster drum rigs. Wow. Um, because I enjoyed Machine Gun Kelly. He, <laughs> he, made, he, I liked him. I don't know. Yeah, no, and <laughs> I, I, I love. Like never heard his. Music. I'll give you and Rion, you and you and Rion. Oh God, <laughs> I'll give you and Rion ten enough. out of ten dragons. Oh, um, yeah. Nice. Okay, that's pretty good. Cool. Well, thanks for listening. Um, if you want more of this. <laughs> then you should totally subscribe to our Patreon where yeah. we're going to be doing more buff movie buffs. And it won't always um, be this movie. Thank no. God. Yeah, Jesus. Um, but you know what? Like, I think it's important that we stay relevant, that we get into the zeitgeist, that we talk about what, <laughs> yeah, everyone, that... what is on everybody else's lips. You know what I mean? Like Morley crew. <laughs> yeah, great. Okay. Okay, Thanks. thank you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Dope. Christmas? Yeah.